Hey, everybody, welcome to the Coming Up Stories podcast. Today we have episode two featuring Victor Cole, former major league pitcher. He's here to tell us his story about where he was, how he found out, and how it felt to get called up to the major leagues. So tune in because we are reliving the love of the game. Hey, everybody, it's Melanie Galliotto, and welcome to Coming Up Stories podcast. And today I'm here with Victor Cole, a former pitcher for the in the Major League Baseball. And he's here to tell us his story of where he was, how he found out how it felt for him to be called up to the big leagues. Hey, Melanie, great to be here with you. Thank you. Great to have you. All right, it's all you. It's all you, Victor. All right, well, as uh, young baseball players out there in the United States and all around the world, I had a dream when I was 10 years old to be a Major League Baseball player. Uh, however, mine, uh, my dream kind of came uh, through some, some uh, different routes uh, because I wasn't born in a country that was known for baseball. I was actually born in, in Russia um, and lived there for four years. Uh, my father was from Africa and my mother was Russian. Mm -hmm. So after uh, four years in Russia, we left and went to Africa for four years, which doesn't have any baseball in Sierra Leone in Africa. So I had never seen or heard of baseball at the time I was eight years old. Uh, at the age of eight, we decided to hit the Americas and we came to Canada. So I lived in Winnipeg, Manitoba for two years where I played hockey and soccer. Still hadn't picked up a glove or, or, or a baseball or knew anything about it. So finally, uh, my, father, my father was in a car and died when I was nine. So mother, who couldn't go back to Russia at the time, uh, decided to take a, um, a, 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 an interpreter's position at uh, Ohio State University. So, that, so that, that's what brought us to the United States. Okay. So that brought me to Columbus, Ohio at the, at the Ohio State University at the age of 10. Mm -hmm. And that was my first experience with uh, baseball. I went outside in the summer and I saw kids playing a, a strange sport with a bat and ball and these leather gloves. And I was like, huh, what's that? It, uh, and it kind of reminded me of um, a goalie in hockey because he's got a glove and he, and he catches and he's got a stick. So I was, I was kind of like, okay, it's sort of like that. And I knew a little bit about cricket. So I was like, okay, all right, it's kind of like that. Yeah. So I just watched and I watched on television. And, and a few weeks later, I felt the nerve to go out there and join the kids. And that's how I learned how to play baseball. Wow. And uh, another thing that helped was having the Ohio State University baseball team right around the corner. And I would go down there and watch them play. So uh, I was their ball boy. So um, anytime they did a foul ball, I would go get it, bring it back. And, and uh, after the end of the game, when I'd give them back 20 balls, uh, they, would get, they would reward me with, uh, with one game ball, cool. uh, my payment for the day. So yeah. I started a little collection of baseballs for my friends back at, in the neighborhood. Nice. So, uh, so that's how I learned how to play baseball by watching and, and uh, playing with the neighbor kids. Uh, but I still did not play on an actual team till I was 13. 13. Yes. So it was still a couple of years before I actually played on a team. Uh, so, so, uh, and, and at 13, we moved to Canada. I mean, we moved, I'm sorry, we moved to California Okay. 13. And that's when I started my baseball and baseball there was practically year round because the weather was good. Yeah. And uh, and so 
uh, I gradually got better and better and better. And, um, and there, my dream of being a professional baseball player really took off. Um, so I ended up uh, being one of the top players in high school and, uh, and then going to Santa Clara University where I got drafted as a junior by the Kansas City Royals, played three years in their farm system, got traded when I was in AAA mm-hmm. in uh, 1991, went to Buffalo with the Pirates. Then uh, in 92, um, I was in my second year in AAA and uh, doing really well. I was one of the uh, top starting pitchers in all of AAA in that season. I had a record of six and two with a two something ERA. So I was in the tops and wins and ERA having a real good year. And uh, a pitcher got hurt in Pittsburgh. And so they were calling down, I guess, at that time, uh, looking for a replacement. And, um, and I happened to be one of the ones that was healthy and doing well. But uh, here's how I found out. Okay. So um, I had just pitched the game two days prior. And uh, I think I got a loss. It was, uh, I was six and one going in and I, I had lost a game, but I pitched really well. I think we lost two to one or something, mm-hmm. but I really well. And uh, I just throw in a bullpen and I noticed the head coach and the, and the pitching coach were watching me throw my bullpen that day. And usually it's usually only the, the pitching coach that watches me throw a bullpen, but the head coach was over there watching too. And so I thought, mm, that's a little strange. And um, so later that night, um, um, I had just been married the year before. So, so my wife and I are at home eating dinner and, um, and I get a phone call. And, uh, and so I answered the phone. I said, uh, hello, who is this? And, and, he, and he's like, uh, uh, Vic, this is Bombi. And my head coach at the time was Mark Bombard. And, um, and I loved him as a coach. He was, he was, I loved playing for him. I'd give anything for him. Um, he had a lot of faith, faith in his players and, and he would, he would battle for us anytime uh, we'd get a bad call or whatnot, but loved playing for the guy. We got along great. So he calls me up. He says, Vic, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm thinking, oh, this is a strange call. I said, oh, just getting ready to eat dinner. And, um, and he said, well, dinner's going to taste a little bit uh, better for you after I tell you the news. I said, what news? He said, you're getting called up to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? So I'm looking at my wife and she's like, what's going on? What's going on? I said, I said, sure, we're going to Pittsburgh. She, and she's like, wow, are you kidding me? So that started the whirlwind oh of, pa- of packing, making plans and all this stuff. So uh, we, we just started packing everything we could. We didn't know how long we were going to be gone. Um, so, so he said, Hey, just come in the morning, get your, get your gear. We'll give you your, your information and, uh, let us know, you know, what are you going to, are you going to drive or fly or whatnot? And, uh, and so that was it that night. We couldn't sleep. We were just so excited calling all the family and friends. And, and, uh, I mean, it was, it was a culmination of all those years of playing, playing as a kid watching watching baseball on television collecting baseball cards yeah. um having those moments with your friends where you're you're uh, you're imagining uh, being in the big leagues for your favorite team and uh, hitting in a certain situation all right game's tied bottom of the ninth you know uh, th- full count and here's the pitch you know you're going through all those things as a child and uh same thing as a pitcher you know all right you're you got, you know, two strikes on the hitter and, and, uh, you know, last out of the game and all those, all those moments that I had just came flooding back to me and, and, uh, and culminating in a call to the, to the leagues. Wow. And, uh, 
and and so that that was incredible that was absolutely incredible um and getting and getting there it was really quite different than all the minor league years combined the minor leagues and the major leagues are like two different worlds it's the same game mm-hmm. um, talented players at both levels but in the major leagues it's every player there is really really good even even the 24th or 25th guy on the bench is really really good i mean better than you could imagine as a minor leaguer um and and it was just a shock to see how good they were how consistent they were how easy they made it look and uh it it, it was just there now you're there with them and i'm there with them so at first, at first, it's like overwhelming. But then after about a week or two, uh-huh. you kind of settle in and go, you know what? I belong here, too. Awesome. And yeah. you kind of adjust to it and, and you start feeling like, hey, yeah, you know, I can do this just like they can. Of course, there's still the superstars like the Barry Bonds and the Doug Drabecks and, yeah. and all the guys that are you know going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they're at a really high level. But with everyone else, you're just like, yeah, I belong here just like them. I, you know, I can throw just like they do. I have pitches just like they do. I can hit like they do. And you realize also there's a lot of guys in the minor leagues that can play here too. And it kind of lets you know that there's not a huge difference between the players, but what's different about the major leagues is, is how the players deal with the pressure. Yeah both from the fans, the media, uh, the ownership uh, to perform at that level day in and day out. It's, it's like being a, a performer as well. You're like a professional entertainer. And, um, and, that, and that's where that, that's a different type of pressure where you have to be on your A game every single day because you're accountable for it because uh, the press is watching, the press is going to be interviewing you the games are televised. Yeah. There's 50,000 people at the stadium watching every day. Um, there's uh, there's peop- there's a bunch of guys in the minor leagues waiting for you to mess up so they can t- come and take your job. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a pressure of performing to your expectations because you're getting paid so much more money than you were before. So there's all these little pressures. And then also your family and friends, you're trying to uh, make them uh, be proud of you and and uh, live up to their expectations of you and all that. So it's 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 a different type of um, expectation from yourself. Mm-hmm. And the ones that stay there for a long time are the ones that can block all that out and just focus on the game itself. And that's extreme. That's one of the most difficult. It sounds easy, but that's one of the hardest parts. And that's one of the things about the mental game of, of baseball sure. that really comes into play is the hardest part is being able to block all that out and just focus on hitting the ball, throwing the ball, and catching the ball. The, the three basic things in baseball, but there's so much more that you have to block out that that's really, that's really the hard part. The physical part's easy, but sure. you have to eliminate the mental stuff, right. the mental blocks, in order to make the physical easier, right. especially at that noise. level. It's a lot of noise, not just, you know, like you said, like the fan noise, but all that internal noise that, you know, just being a human, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to stop that chatter. Yes. So it's, yes. yeah, it would need an insane amount of focus and concentration. 
and for me that hit me that hit me full bore that first my first outing i had waited six days to, to get to get, get the ball in a game and i was uh, i was a wow. starter the whole year leading up to that point so it had been okay. two months as a starter and then now i was a reliever again and i had been a reliever before in the minor league so it was not that big a deal but six days of anticipation building up and then finally i get the call in a game that the score was out of reach anyways like we were down by five six runs late mm -hmm. in the game um so it wasn't like i was being called into a tight game or anything but it was just all the feelings all the emotions were just bursting out of me when i was going out there to this day i can't remember a single pitch that i threw yeah. and i think i pitched an inning in two-thirds or something like that but i can't remember i can't remember anything on that day i can remember all my other outings but i can't remember i can't remember throwing a single pitch in that day all i can remember is running in from the bullpen and then everything else goes goes dark it was it was incredible and yeah. it was just it was like all i can remember is i'm here i'm there i'm actually doing this yes and that's all i remember i remember sitting in the dugout after it was all done going wow it's over <laughs> <laughs> but in between i can't i can't think back i can't remember you know i can remember certain hitters like that i faced 20 30 years ago mm -hmm. i can remember certain uh, i can remember you know, you know, if, like if I, for instance, if I run across um, a player that I played against 20, 30 years ago in college or, or in, in the minor leagues, and I'll see him at a ballpark somewhere, I'll go, yeah, I remember you, you know, hey, remember that the curveball I threw you in, the, in Nashville or in, in uh, Birmingham or something like that? And you're like, oh, man, that was that was a great pitch. I didn't know what, you know, I can remember those little things. But that first game against the New York Mets, I can't remember a single pitch. It's crazy. But I remember all my other starts, all my other relief appearances. Okay. Yeah, but that but that start, people ask me all the time, what was it like? I just, it's like, I remember the lead up to it. And I remember <laughs> the the sitting down afterwards in the dugout. Your just going, brain is wow. protected. It was such, it was probably like such an incredible feeling that that's the, your brain is protecting you yeah. by just kind of, all right, yeah. let's just, let's, let's save it a little bit. Let's. Take it down a notch. <laughs> and because for me, it meant so much more than just than than maybe what it does for other people. Because because I was an underdog coming up because of my background. Yeah. And and uh, not having any family members in baseball, not having anyone train me in baseball, just basically picking it up from the neighborhood kids and watching it on television and going to some college games and watching the guys play there. And, and getting to that level without any coaching. I, and, and really, I never had a really good coach that would teach me in pitching. Everything I got from pitching was watching on television and basically mimicking the mechanics and the mm -hmm. styles of my favorite pitchers. So one of my favorites is Nolan Ryan. Mm -hmm. So I just pretended in my mind that I was Nolan Ryan when I was pitching. So I, I of course, I never developed into throwing 100 miles an hour like he did but i reached the the speeds of 94 95 miles an hour for my size i'm 510 and i was 160 pounds at the time and so for someone of my size at that time in the 90s that was a pretty big feat to be able to throw that hard but uh, that was because of the mechanic because of watching nolan ryan's mechanics having the, the leg kick and mm -hmm. and uh, trying to you know i, I bought his uh, pitching bible so I followed mm -hmm. his workout program that was in the Nolan Ryan pitching Bible. 
And those are the only things I had all the way up uh, through college and in the minor leagues. And finally, in the minor leagues, that's when I really started getting some some uh, good pitching coaches uh, from guys like Guy Hansen, um, um, Spin Williams with the Pirates. Um, uh, who else? Um, Marty Demerit with the Cubs. I really I, those are some like three of my most favorite pitching coaches. And I really learned a lot from those guys. And I was able to take my pitching to a different level thanks to those guys. And now that I'm a coach, yes. I take a lot of the things that they gave me and I give those back to the young kids that I come across. And after I stopped playing, I played for 15 years, 10 years after I left the big leagues. Um, and after I got done playing, I became a coach. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, Melanie, I, I've had a lot more um, fun. Um, more passion and uh, more rewarding experiences as a coach than I did as a player. And uh, it feels like there's, there's a big, because I think because I can reach a bigger audience, I can reach more people. And to me, it means more to make, let's say five kids become better pitchers than just me getting better. Because just me getting better, it's selfish and I'm really not affecting anyone. Right. Unless someone's watching and learning from me. But mm -hmm. with me giving to other kids what I've learned and sharing my experiences that might be some of the same as theirs, like they may be going through a problem with control, for instance. And I said, you know what? I've been there. This is what I did. And mm -hmm. then to watch them overcome that because of the information I gave them, it's, it, it's really rewarding for me because it's like it, it answers to me. That's why I went through what I went through yeah, yeah. to be able to pass it along and help others who are going through the same thing. Otherwise, they may just run across a brick wall and not get through that. Yeah. But here I am. And I did the same thing with my son. He all his whole time coming up through little leagues and travel ball, high school, college. And now he's playing professionally in Germany. He'll call me all the time. Hey, dad, I'm going through this. And it's like every time he goes through something, I've already been there. And I'm able to give them the right advice to help them uh, cross that hurdle. And, uh, and that's really rewarding for me. And, uh, and, and it lets me know, hey, you know what? I went through all those hard times for a reason. You know, there were times where I, I had control problems. There were times where my arm hurt. There were times where, uh, you know, I was getting hit hard and had to bounce back mentally to, to keep fighting. So, and, and at the time you think, why am I going through all this? Mm -hmm. You know, why is this happening to me? Why can't I just throw a no hitter every time I go out? But now, 20, 30 years later, I see, oh, I went through all that because the real reward in all this is to be able to pass it on. I love that so guys. much. Now, I have bigger chills now than when you told me your original story like that. <laughs> that really is it. Yeah, that's what it's all about to me. Yeah. So when you're when you're helping the kids with the different aspects in coaching, do you talk about the mental game and how to focus and try to turn that all off? Like, are there tricks? Do you use deep breathing or like mindful meditation? Anything? Yes, anything? Uh, it depends on the uh, advance, how advanced the kids are. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if I'm talking to 10 year olds, I have to be really basic. OK, I have to give real clear visual things like. All I see, like um, for what a 10 year old is going through, their chatter is gonna be moms and dads in the stands, mm -hmm. you know, yelling and screaming, possibly 
uh, some crazy dads climbing on the fence as their kids out there. <laughs> and when the umpire misses a call or something like that, you know, so things like that is what they have to block out. Or maybe the other team saying something that might get on their nerves and just blocking it out and just seeing uh, just just blocking it out and seeing a wall of black. Mm-hmm. Just keep it real simple. And uh, and I'll give them that as an example that I used. And but then I'll tell them, I'll say, hey, look, all you are individuals. You all have different mental skills. Some of you can visualize better than I can. Some of you not as good. Mm-hmm. So you have to get something that works for you, that is yours, that you can rely on, that you can make work for you. And that really works for them because then it'll, they're not trying to do something that they can't, right. but they can actually do something that's attainable for them and, and, and implement it. And also, there's going to be some kids that I come across that are way more advanced than me. I have no idea to know how, how advanced and how brilliant they're going to be. So I don't want to do anything that limits them either. Mm-hmm. So I give them the, the, the room to grow and to create on their own something that's theirs that they can use. Mm-hmm. Because there's kids that I've, uh, there was a kid that I coached that came up with my son. He's already pitched more base, uh, more major league innings than I ever had. So, and, and, and so that's one of those examples where it's like, I, here I was coaching a kid who's now had more big league time and more wins than I did as, and I was his coach. So, but there was no way of knowing that going in. Mm-hmm. So I had to give them that rope to expand and to get better on their own because they could be better than I was, hopefully, or they may never get there, but they'd have the, the uh, learning experience from me to be able to pass it along and do the same thing with their kids or whoever they were coaching or, and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So we talked about coaching. You're doing a lot of coaching. What is, what's, what's now look like for you? What, what are you, what are you doing now? Well, I just got done uh, two years of high school coaching. I loved it. It was great. And then I got an opportunity to go to Russia, believe it or not, to uh, coach their national team. And that was, uh, that was one of those things, the experiences that come full circle, because that is where my story starts. Yeah. And I wanted to go back and say, okay, what can I do here in uh, the country that I was born in? And uh, so that was a wonderful experience, uh, going back to a country where I understood the language. Uh, going back there, for most people, it, if you're not Russian, you hear the people speaking in the streets and it's a foreign language. But for me, that was my first language. That, that's the language my mother spoke in. So going back there and hearing Russian in the streets, it was a familiar sound to me. Eating the food there was a familiar taste because my mother used to cook Russian food all the time. So um, seeing the Russian people was familiar because my mother was Russian. So there were a lot of people that looked like her. So of course, me being different on the outside I didn't really focus. I mean, of course, I was different to them, but for me, looking out at them, things seemed uh, very, very familiar to me. So it was a very interesting and educational experience going back and dealing with the the young kids there, and also the uh, the uh, the young men on the national team, and kind of sharing what I had experienced and and trying to get them to the next level. Uh, and and I was able to take my son there with me. And uh, he actually got naturalized there. So now he has uh, two citizenships, one wow. here and one there. And he plays for the national team. So he's got that, uh, that experience to put on his, on his uh, belt. Um, and he's, he's enjoyed it as well and learned the language. So now he's learning about some of his heritage um, through that experience. Um, 
but uh, but but the, uh, the the clock ran out on that based on uh, COVID. COVID kind of canceled a lot of tournaments that we had planned, and and um, and so then it was time for me to come back here. And now that I'm back here, it's uh, I think uh, my next step was probably to go coach collegiately. I think would be the next step. Um, I was thinking about uh, coaching in prof in the professional leagues, but I think uh, I think for the next couple of years I want to coach collegiately. Yes. Um, and, and I think uh, to me that that seems like a, a really good fit. I think right now with the age of those players, I think I can give a lot to them mm -hmm. uh, because I've been there and I know what it takes to get to be not only successful at the collegiate level, but also to get to the next level. Yes. And, uh, and, and yes. so I, th I think I could really help those kids at that, at that, uh, that position. I can't wait to hear more about that soon. Let's hope. Thank you. Well, Victor, wow, blown away. Thank you so much for sharing. It's it, what a full circle journey, tons of amazing experiences. Yes. Um, and I love the fact that you're just giving it all back to kids and watching them grow and succeed. You know, it's just really, a, you know, Ah, I don't. I can't even talk because I'm just so <laughs> yeah, that's, so excited that, yeah. from everything yeah. that I've heard. It's just wow. Yeah, wow. it is. It is rewarding to see them go on mm -hmm. to get uh, college scholarships and yeah. get drafted, and and uh, a couple of them were made to the big leagues and things like that. It's. I mean, it's really, really rewarding to say, "Yep, I coached him," and "Yep, I coached him," and it's 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 amazing. It it means it means more now to have to be able to do that than than me making it myself. Because, like I said, it's. It was personal. It was, you know, it was, yeah. it was kind of, kind of selfish to be glad that you did it, but it means so much more when others can get there too. Making an impact and seeing it happen for others. Yeah. I get that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for inviting me to this podcast, Melanie. All right. And I can't wait to see and hear what happens with your next step. Me too. Some, me too. Some college ball. I'll on to the next adventure. On to the next. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Bye. And thanks for listening to Coming Up Stories podcast. You can always find out more about Victor Cole on our blog at comingupstoriespodcast.com. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow this podcast for the next episodes that drop because we are reliving the love of the game. Mm -hmm.